Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today I just want to to read Psalm 91 with you. And in reading Psalm 91, I, I want to talk a little bit about how we use the Psalms or how we can use the Psalms in the church, and and how in paying close attention to the text, we can extract from it what's been put there by the author. Now, the Psalms are written by many different people. They're a collection, basically, of five different books, as is called in the Torah, books of Psalms, different collections. And each one is marked by a beginning and an end, And within the Psalms, there's found all kinds of expressions, and all of these need to be recovered. And when we read the Psalms, if we pay careful attention to the text and the context of it, there's so much we can gain from the Psalms. Psalm 91 from the Lexington English Bible and from the Holman Christian Standard Bible is going to be used as my text today. And as I read through the psalm, I want us to notice who the speaker is because the speaker changes within the psalm. And notice what the content of the speech is on each change within the psalm. And then I think we can draw much encouragement from the instruction and from the revelation that God gives us of himself through the words of Psalm 91. First, let me just begin by reading it from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. As I read it, there are at least three major sections, and I hope you can catch those. And within the second one, there is a break. Here, let's read the psalm. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, or Yahweh, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, that is Yahweh, my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. For he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. Because he is lovingly devoted to me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Whenever he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Again, Psalm 91. But this time, I'm going to read the first two verses from the Lexham English Bible. The reason? Because it reflects the change 
by, by noting the different names that are applied to God in these two stanzas. We often miss this in our English translations because we have the tendency to only translate God and Lord. But God has a name, and he has many names, that is, titles, descriptive titles and names, and here it is picked up. One who lives in the secret place of the Most High will lodge in the shadow of Shaddai. I will say to Yahweh, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Now, notice the first two stanzas because they stand out and they give us the whole theme, the whole thesis of the psalm. Listen again. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. That is an affirmation of faith, a statement of declaration. This is the truth. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. He who makes God his dwelling place is what he's talking about. Now, verse 2, the declaration of faith, a creedal statement, if you please, becomes a personal affirmation, a personal declaration. Because this is a true statement about Almighty God, the psalmist says, I will say to Yahweh, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, you should have noted in the reading of the first two verses of Psalm 91 that there are four names used of God. God is called the Most High. There is no one higher than God. He is the highest, the greatest being of all. He is the one all self-sufficient being in the universe. All others depend upon him and have come forth from him. This is the one we're speaking about. God, the most high. He's the most high God. Men may worship many gods. They're all fictional because they are not the true God. They may be entities living or dead, but they're not the true God. There's only one true and living God. And his name is the Almighty the Almighty God, El Shaddai. This is one of the names, one of the chief names used of God in the book of Genesis, especially with reference to the lives of the patriarchs. That's Abraham, Jacob, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Okay? Verse 2. I will say to Yahweh. Now, this is the personal name of God. His memorial name that he gave to Moses and said, this is my name throughout all generations. This is my name. I am that I am, Yahweh. We need to recover this personal name of the Most High God. I will say to Yahweh, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God. Now notice the use of God, theos in Greek. My God, not generic, but my God, the one whom I trust, in whom I 
trust. Now notice the great significance of the use of the names of God by the psalmist. In noting the differences of the names, we understand more about the very nature of God and about the personal experience of faith that the psalmist has in him. It is a great declaration of faith in verse 1. But you know, faith must become personal. We must understand great truths about God, the creedal declarations. But in the end, we need to be able to say, my God, my refuge, and my fortress. But in verse 3, there is a change of pronouns. Notice the beginning of verse 3. He himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. That's the Holman Christian standard. Or the lexum. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the plague of destruction. But notice, this is the beginning of instruction. The psalmist, who's made this great creedal statement about God and who's expressed his own personal faith in God, now begins to teach others. This is my faith. This is the faith that's been revealed by God. And now... This is what it means. He instructs others about God, and he uses analogies. He uses references to historical events. Listen. He himself, that's who? It's God Almighty, the Most High, El Shaddai, Yahweh, my God. He himself will deliver you. It's not the personal you now. It's the corporate you. And those who were in that corporate body to whom he's addressing, he will himself deliver you from the hunter's snare, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. He's using uh, an example of that of a mother hen or of a bird who's protecting her chicks under her wings from the destruction that may be going out. Think about a storm coming around and the mother bird hovers over his little chicks, keeping them safe from what's happening on the outside. That's a picture of God taking care of his own in the midst of plagues, in the mix, in the mix of sorrow and things that happen in life. He begins in, then in verse 5. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. If you really think about this, you can make connection between this psalm and the Exodus. When Israel was slavery in slavery in Egypt, and God intervened by sending Moses back, and God sent the ten plagues upon the Egyptians, he protected his own people. And so the pestilence and the plagues all fell upon the Egyptians, but not upon Israel in the land of Goshen. And even when the great pestilence, even when the death angel went through the land of the last time, those who went underneath the blood that was shed by the lamb and posted on their doorposts, if they went in their home, they were safe, though 10,000 fell at their right hand. No harm came to them. They only saw the destruction of the wicked when they left. They did not experience it 
themselves. So God uses the language of protection, of a protective bird, and he uses the language, it's a battle language that he's using. God will be your refuge. God will be your protection from the enemy. And then he goes on with application to others by giving the reasons why this is so. Because you have made the most high your dwelling place. My refuge, my your dwelling place. Because you have made the Lord, that is Yahweh, my refuge, the most high, your dwelling place. No harm will come to you. No plague will come near you. For he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. Notice what the psalmist is doing. Now, it's interesting. In verse 9, he retreats again to a personal declaration of faith. He begins verse 9, For you, O Yahweh, are my refuge. But immediately, he goes back to application to others. You have made the most high your dwelling place. No harm will befall you. No plague will come near you. For he will command his angels concerning you to watch over you in all your ways. In their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on lion and viper. You will trample young lion and serpent. Because he loves me, well, that begins another section. Okay, so notice in this section that there is some phraseology that if you're familiar with the life of the Lord Jesus and if you remember his temptation in the wilderness, the first time Satan comes to him and he says, command these stones to be bread. You're hungry, you're famished, you haven't eaten. Come on. Command the stones to become bread. You know you can get whatever you want from the Father. Give it. You don't need to be hungry. But Jesus uses the word of God from Deuteronomy and repels the enemy. Within the enemy, in his slightest, he takes a scripture verse, this scripture verse from Psalm 91, and he uses it in the next temptation. The devil sometimes quotes the scripture, but he does so out of context. Now, this is a warning to us simply because there's phraseology from the Bible. You have to pay attention to the context in which it is being used because it could be the enemy himself using some verses of Scripture but twisting their meaning. That's what he did to the Lord Jesus in the temptation. But Jesus was very aware of this and he noted that this was simply trying to presume upon God. It was arrogant presumption of the Almighty to use this scripture in that way. Throw yourself down from this temple thing here and others will see what a great miracle work you are. They'll fall at your feet and worship you and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. Well, the Lord Jesus repelled him with another scripture. He used scripture to defeat the misuse of scripture, the misuse of this psalm. There are those today in their teaching that use some verses of Scripture out of context to teach false doctrine and to teach things that are presumptive and arrogant, not humble trust, dependence upon the Almighty God. But he moves in the last section of the psalm, beginning at verse 14. 
There's a change of pronouns. Each thing is a new change of pronoun. And here, God speaks. This is the divine eye that makes a pledge. And it's based on trust that's expressed in three ways. Let's listen to what God says. This is God's response to the affirmation of faith. God's response to the instruction. If we believe him, if we trust him in the way the psalmist spells out, this will be the results. Yahweh speaks. He says, because he is lovingly devoted to me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and will give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and will show him my salvation. Wow. The divine eye, God himself, speaks to the faith of the man of God who makes the Almighty his dwelling place. And he pledges eight things to us based on a trust that's expressed in three ways. First, how is the trust expressed? How do I know I'm trusting God? The psalmist helps us here. He says, because God is speaking, he is lovingly devoted. That is, he cleaves to me. This is the cleaving of, of great dependence and trust upon God. It's the cleaving of a child who loves and trusts his father amidst danger, who cleaves to him and will not let go because he lovingly devoted to me and cleaves to me. And secondly, I will protect him because he knows my name. Notice again the prominence of the name of God. God wants you to know his name. God has a very personal name. His name is Yahweh. And his name in the New Testament is Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fullness of God dwells in him. But God in the New Testament is revealed in all of his fullness, his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God. This is Yahweh God. This is Jehovah Call him your shelter and call him your salvation because he knows my name. We should know God's name. He knows our name. He personally knows our name. Every person in the world, he knows your name, but he especially knows the name of those whom he has elected in his son, whom he has redeemed by the blood of his son, and whom he has called himself by the irresistible call of the Holy Spirit to come to Christ, to believe in Christ, to trust in Christ, to love God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Based on these expressions, God says, I will deliver, I will protect, when he calls, I will answer. When he has in trouble, I will be with him. When he's faced with all these dangers and things going all around, I will rescue him. I will give him honor. Did you know that God delights to give you honor? The honor that you will re receive because you're one who loves him and lovingly cleaves to him because you trust in him. You honor God, and in this way, he honors you 
by delivering you and rescuing you. I will satisfy him. He'll satisfy us with long life, but most of all, he's going to satisfy us with the fullness of eternal life at the resurrection of the dead in the establishment of the new heaven and the new earth. I will show him my salvation, my deliverance, my rescue, not just the temporary rescues that we have now, but the permanent, eternal rescue of eternal fullness of life in the new heaven and new earth following the resurrection from the dead at our Lord's return. Now this psalm can be connected with all kinds of verses and stories from the Old Testament and certainly from the narrative of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching of the apostles. There's so much in this wonderful psalm. Can you join the psalmist in saying these great truths about God? And can you sing them even? Ah, the psalms have always been sung in the church. Here's a contemporary example by Keith Getty and Kristen Getty and others. My dwelling place is God most high, my refuge and my fortress, when plague and pestilence draw nigh, I'm hidden in his presence. When terrors fall and arrows fly, his shield will be my safety. When stones across my pathway lie, on eagle wings I'm carried. Or the older psalm by James Montgomery called Jehovah, your salvation. Rest in the almighty shade, in his secret habitation dwell and never be dismayed. There no tumult shall alarm you. You shall dread no hidden snare. God nor violence can harm you in eternal safeguard there. Amen. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.